0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. We are in the week of, well, eight days to be exact, until the National Hockey League draft. We continue our draft rankings with some interesting names in the five we have today. We'll also get into the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, shocker. It is actually going on. Stamkos came back. He left. We'll get Pilsy's take on when the cup will be handed out. And we have to get into some rumors because 31 Thoughts, they stirred the pot. They clearly have connections. Who are some names the Sens may be looking at? At number five, all that and more, this the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, September 28th, and Pillsy, Three names. One we had heard a lot of, Jake Sanderson. Second one came out of the clouds, Jack Quinn. And the third one, the wild card, Yaroslav Askarov. Those are the three names that Jeff Merrick says there is an internal discussion within the Senators organization. If you had to pick from one of those three, which would you take?
0: That's tough, Ross, because I would say like those three guys are like at the top of their game for their specific special attribute, right?
1: They they couldn't be further apart as players.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got the the potential franchise goalie in Askarov. You've got an elite goal scorer in Jack Quinn. And then you have one of the best all-round, or sorry, the best all-round defenseman in the draft in Jake Sanderson. So either way you're going, you're picking at the top of, what these guys can do, and you're banking on cashing in big here because I would say if you take any of these players with Lucas Raymond still on the board, you're taking a massive
1: risk. Huge risk, and that's what I want to get to because not only with Lucas Raymond, but what we've seen from Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi, there's so much talent. Are you nervous that like, what if Jack Quinn goes before Marco Rossi? I think everybody would have said watching the 67s last year that Marco Rossi was the st- straw that stirred the drink of that team. Are you a little nervous that, A, Jack Quinn wasn't exactly the best player, or let alone better than Marco Rossi, or the fact that he's one of the oldest players in this draft, and this was his first year where he had more than 18 goals at the OHL level. Now, he had 52 of them, so let's not discount that and he wasn't playing at five-on-five five with Marco Rossi, but there is just such a, a level of risk there.
0: Yeah, and definitely. But to, to answer some of your questions, I'm not nervous that Jack Quinn was the second-best player on his team. That's I'm not going to fault a guy for that, and hey – we thought Leon Dreisaitl was the second best player on his team. Look what happened there. So I don't think that's a worry. And like you said, they didn't they didn't play together much five-on-five. Five. So it's not like Jack Quinn is just riding the coattails of Marco Rossi. He's getting it done on his own. 50 goals scored is nothing to, uh, to be worried about. So I think Jack Quinn could make a lot of sense for the Sens at number five. But then here's what we have to do. Sens fans team fans of rebuilding teams where this draft is going to make or break your franchise for the next decade let's keep in mind if a guy gets picked two or three picks ahead of where he's ranked it is not the end of the world guys like we need to understand that sure maybe we would have uh preferred this guy at this draft position but it's not it's not the end of the world if the number seven guy goes number five like it's it's all about who you think is going to do better in a long term. And I think Jack Quinn has a lot of potential to do well in the long term with a
1: shot like that. The only thing about Jack Quinn is if you look at the six rankings we used, other than Craig Button, who is extremely high on him at number six, which is still a spot behind where the Sens draft at number five, the, the highest he's ranked is 10th. He's between 10th and 16th on all of the other lists. So, would you trade down if this is a situation or if you like your guy, you just take him?
0: and th- This is really interesting, Ross. I've flipped back and forth on this one, trading down. If you think that uh, you can still get Jack Quinn a few picks later and maybe get a little value too. But for me, what the Senators need to do is not acquire more draft picks, more prospects. They need to, Oh, go what, ahead. If,
1: what, what if it's a play like they did with the Devils to get Logan Brown, where you gave up a third rounder to go up two spots, but then the other side of the coin, the Devils and the Sens are the two teams with three first rounders. Would you take 7 and 18 for 5 and 28? Something in, in, in that stratosphere? I mean, they have so much, so many draft picks to work with. Those two teams could probably figure something out just with those picks.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a possibility and that's something I like. You're you're giving up a little in the top 10 to gain a lot uh with with your third first round pick for the Sens, but as as I was going to say, like the Sens we don't need more second uh second line middle six second pairing guys. What's the one thing everyone says about this prospects pool is you need those gems. You need those top line, you need those top pairing guys. So Trading down to get more middle six and middle pairing guys doesn't make sense to me. But luckily, there's a first round here where there's so much damn talent that you could move down and maybe you're thinking, oh, we let a, a really good player off the table, but there's so many other good players to scoop up and take, uh, take a gamble on their potential too. But for me, the idea of trading down, I don't love it unless it's a scenario, like you said, where you're getting leverage in a different draft Uh, like ranking scenario later on so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Sens play this draft
1: it's going to be really interesting because there are so many options so many different styles of players and let's talk about Jake Sanderson now because I think that out of the three this would be the safest pick because you know he's going to turn into a reliable two-way NHL player in the mold I see him as like a Ryan McDonough Mark Edward Vlasic like You're a coach's dream. You're reliable. You're not going to make many mistakes. And you do have an offensive capability. Those two guys I mentioned, they've hit 40 points in in single seasons in the NHL level. So I think that he would be the guy I would like to see most in that spot. But where do you draw the line in terms of, we've talked about how much depth there is on on the defensive prospect system. Whereas Jack Quinn, somewhat of an anomaly in, in terms of what the Sens have. He is just a guy who puts the puck in the net
0: exactly and that's the thing you you've got guys uh that you think can do similar jobs to jake sanderson like i would say obviously not on the same echelon but jacob bernard docker is a similar guy to what jake sanderson is right like an all-around good defensive defenseman but he can you can trust him with the puck and he can chip in offensively once in a while too right so i think you've got a couple of guys that are in the mold of that but you don't have a jack quinn you don't have a young pure goal scorer that you can can safely project is going to hit 25, 30 plus goals a season. And that's what they need. And that's where with the fifth overall pick, there's a couple of chances to hit on that with Raymond or Jack Quinn on the right side. So I think that's where if the Sens did go the Sanderson route, I wouldn't be upset, but it would be real tough watching the next probably the next team pick Lucas Raymond right after and then have to watch him uh, progress in his career so that's where it's tough for me picking Sanderson but I love Jake Sanderson so I'd be I'd be for it
1: the only good news I guess from that situation would be if Lucas Raymond does go the pick after it is to Anaheim where you only see him twice a year as long as he doesn't slip to number eight and Buffalo where it's a, a team you're gonna have to see often in in your own division New Jersey of course picking seventh as I mentioned before we talked about how yarrow askerov is the wild card of the draft and man i'm warming up to the fact like if ottawa takes him i wouldn't be upset for a second i tweeted out a nice little hot take yesterday i think he'll be the first player from this draft class to win a stanley cup and that may be out of my back pocket but he has done nothing but have success at the KHL level against men as an 18-year-old goalie. I don't know when he's going to come over to the NHL, but he is not going to play an AHL game. I'm almost certain of that. Where would you what would your be your initial reaction if Askarov is the pick at 5? Goalie hey, friendly show. Goalie friendly show.
0: But Ross, wait. I I am not about to let let you just cruise past that spicy take you just tossed out of the deep fryer there. Whoever selects Askarov is going to be the that's the first prospect out of this pool to win the cup. He will be the first prospect from this class to raise the Stanley cup. Did you forget that we had the Rangers going all the way without Lafreniere?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny, but they, uh, they definitely kind of crippled themselves. And you think I would make that mistake again? They were the first team eliminated in this entire playoff.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think, I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year
1: no let's see you need a goalie to win and i mean i'm a big guy too actually so hey that's the the russian bias in, in terms mm-hmm. of goaltenders as we're seeing in the stanley cup final which we should get into because we haven't covered the stanley cup final just hilarious all we were so into it when we had the sends abroad but oh man it's it's just disheartening when when you've got a stanley cup final and there's only two teams left and no one with an emotional connection to the Ottawa Senators as much Rick as Rick Bonus uh, yeah that's nice but i mean how how many people <laughs> that's a who are, yeah i mean definitely there but i think that's for the generation above us where we didn't get to see he coached the Ottawa Senators from when i was in my infancy till i was about a year and a half old so uh, you'll forgive me that i didn't get to watch Rick Bonus during his years in behind the Ottawa Senators bench although we'll always have that gift with him or the photo with him with that old school oh, I love Judy it. logo. Um that gets me fired up and when I get fired up after a workout I turn to Built Bar because Built Bar it's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar and the variety is what I love most about it. There's 16 different flavors that you can take when you get your Built Bar. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. 8 of them are nut free. The other eight, if you like your nuts, your protein from there. But good news is that whatever Built Bar you choose, you're getting high protein, you're getting high fibers, but you're not giving up the fact that there is low fat, there's low in calories. That sounds like the perfect mix to me. Go to builtbar.com and see all of your options, but we like to narrow it down for you. That's why we need Pillsy's Pick of the Week. My Pick of the Week, I'm going with what i would say and uh, this
0: may be controversial but this is my top built bar flavor of all times cookies and cream like the cookies and cream flavor it is incredible that these guys made a cookies and cream bar that tastes this good this healthy only 130 calories 17 grams of protein only 4 grams of sugar real 100% chocolate Ch- tastes delicious but you can eat it guilt free 100% satisfaction guaranteed you love cookies and cream built bar
1: oh i love cookies and cream everything but especially built bar go to builtbar.com right now and see all the beautiful flavors available for you and use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your first order of built bar and stay tuned because built bar has some exciting new products in the works and we'll be the first to tell you exactly what to expect when built bar is ready to unveil the b2 builtbar.com promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your first order of built bars Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pillsy, Stanley Cup finals. Who's playing again?
0: Tampa Bay and Dallas. And All right. Ross, I'm, I'm laughing because I thought we were just going to zoom right past it. I thought you were setting this up like, look, we haven't talked about the Stanley Cup finals at all. Anyways,
1: but here we <laughs> and are. And was talking hockey. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, let, let's get into it, though. Let's get into it because our team, the Senators, have not played for how many days, Ross? 201, but who's counting? 201 days. So let's get into this one. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about... The, I don't know, like, what do you call him? The Tampa Bay Lightning's guardian angel? Like, Stephen Stamkos has been watching over this team in the bubble the entire time. Good on him for keep, keeping good morale. Like, that must be tough, being the captain, the leader of your team, and watching these guys have success and being one win away from the cup finals. But he only needed, what, two minutes and 37 seconds to make an impact, and he sure did.
1: Yeah, he, so he played two minutes and 37 seconds more hockey than the Ottawa Senators have in the last 201 days, but he scored a goal. It was an absolute beauty. And there was a bit of, not controversy, his name was going to be on the Stanley Cup anyway. He is the captain. So if they win, one of the, the things that they have, and I think it was 41 regular season games is the other qualifier, which he hit. But if you don't play a game in the Stanley Cup Finals, technically your name doesn't get to be on the Stanley Cup. So if you play, let's say you play 20 games to call-up during the year, then you play the entire playoffs up until the finals, but don't play, you're not on the Cup. There's only a certain number of names you can etch in for each one. But with the captain, it's always the first name after the coaches and managers. So let's put that one to bed. Stamkos will have his name on the Stanley Cup. He also has a gold medal where he didn't even get to play in the Olympics. This guy, I feel so bad for him. The
0: injury timing is just so damn unfortunate. Like you said, this imagine Steven Samkos didn't get his name on the cup this year. I don't know. There, there would be a riot. Like they would have to, they would have to amend that rule. The Steven Stamkos rule to get him on there. But it's gonna be interesting if they do win the cup, does he fully get dressed up like skates, Jersey, everything and get on there? Or does, does he just leave the skates off and just the Jersey without equipment? What's the play there?
1: I have no idea because he would be the guy to go up and get the cup. I would be yeah, shocked if it's definitely. not Victor Hedman. But then Ryan McDonough is also another guy, but he hasn't been there as long. So I think that they probably go Hedman. I love the order of the passing too, yeah. uh, which we almost got to see. But we, I got to get into another guy who has won at every single level, a member of the Triple Gold Club, a Hart Trophy, a Maurice Richard, Olympic Gold, World Cup, World Championship, Memorial Cup. OHL Cup. That's Corey Perry, the worm. He scored the game-winning goal, double OT. What a story of redemption! Could you see? Like, I, I don't know why I had visions that like this is Bobby Ryan next year, just a, a buyout from a team where I think that was even more shocking. Like Corey Perry getting bought out. Like, what? This guy has been a star for for years, but just watching
0: well, him, He's a star now.
1: Yeah, thanks. Exactly. Well, same with. Did you see they had him as a former player of the. They said he won the Cup with the San Jose Sharks, which... In
0: 2007.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've been following the Sharks, but they have never won the Stanley Cup. Uh, A couple heartbreaks, including Joe Pavelski, who had a beautiful goal as well. So we're seeing a lot of the veterans come through for Dallas. What does Tyler Sagan have to do to get his game going?
0: I don't... Ross, he had a couple key assists in that game. I'm pretty sure he had two apples in that game. So although he's not getting it done on the score sheet like he would like to, I think, what was it, game two, he had a goal that went off his stomach and in. Not the typical Tyler Sagan, $9 million player goal there. But he's still contributing, even if it's quietly. And look, you just named two veteran guys that their teams discounted and gave up on. And they're becoming a massive part of what could be a stanley cup championship do i think the stars are going to win probably not because the injury problems on this stars team is absolutely ridiculous it's like faxa como jason dickinson was playing hurt Rope and rupe Rup- hints is out like those are Ben key. bishop yeah ben bishop yeah that's uh that's one i even glossed over but th- those guys they may not seem like the key contributors but They're so huge in two-way game, and it's going to be tough for the Dallas stars to make up for that because some of these other guys, they're plugging into their lineup. This is their first taste of NHL playoff experience in the finals with the cup on the line. So it's going to be real tough for Dallas to pull this through. I see Tampa winning it all tonight.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. So just to finish my point on Sagan, yeah, 13 points, 11 assists, but only two goals in 25 games of bubble hockey but to get to these parts of the season which i mean it it's interesting still i mean i'm watching all the games but just in terms of talking points i love when there's just more hockey like the first round just gets me so fired up what's up guys trey matthews of locked on devils here and let me tell you about discover debit cash
0: back wings for the game boom cash back new lucky jersey boom cash back Flash cashback debit, Discover Bank member FDIC.
1: But to get to the first round, you need to have a better regular season than the Ottawa Senators have, or you end up talking about the draft all the time, which leads us to the Sen Central final draft rankings. We are into the first round now. So we are talking about some really talented kids. And today we start off with a kid who's not only talented on the ice, but watching this hometown hockey feature. Both of his parents were born deaf. He grew up sign language was his first language. He learned English from TV coming in at number 26 with an average ranking of 28.16 Aussie Weisblatt of the Prince Albert Raiders, a fast shifty player, but he's tough too. I like
0: Ozzy Weisblatt-Ross, and like you said, a very interesting path to get to where he is, and uh, if you haven't already watched that video, definitely check it out. Uh, really, really strong, interesting family, the Weisblatt's, but to get to his hockey game, this guy's a good skater, got high hockey IQ, he's a definitely a more of a playmaker, but if you give him the space and cheat on the fact that you think he's going to pass for sure, he'll bury it. Like He has a good shot, too, so... I like, I like him as a middle six guy for NHL projection. I feel like he has really good vision and he can be a puck distributor for those talented shoot first guys that uh, that he can play with. So I think Wiseblad is a guy that if he's available, you could take a look at.
1: Yeah, he was the kind of guy where you dip your toes in in your first couple seasons while well, he scored in his first game. I'll, I'll start off with that. But then in 2018-19, and this was maybe one of the best teams in, WHL history, the 2018-19 Prince Albert Raiders. They won the WHL championship. He had 39 points in 64 games, but this year nearly doubled his production. 70 points, 64 games. He was a plus 20 on the season as well. I like that projection too, the, the middle six, but a guy who can play with toughness, which I mentioned off the top, but I think that's important because he's not the biggest guy, but you saw him in many of his highlights finishing his hits and and getting into a couple fights as well and I think those are things that you're going to translate into the NHL another thing that I really like so he's going to be a winger but he he ended the season they had a couple injuries down the middle so he ended up shifting over and playing center and I love how he picks up the puck in transition when his d are coming out from behind the net and we'll get to one of his defensemen Caden Gulley in tomorrow's rankings from Prince Albert but the way that he crosses over on on the back on the bottom side of the faceoff circle at center ice i love how he picks up speed as he gets the puck really pushing the pace offensively i think that his transition game is going to be a part of what makes him a solid contributing nhl player definitely definitely
0: and i love uh, how you mentioned kind of the little agitator he has in this game this these are the kind of guys that the the Kachucks, right Guys with skill, talent, but also sandpaper finish. Like they, they'll get rough along the boards every scrum they're in the middle of. Guys playing against them are absolutely ticked off that they got to go against this this guy every shift. So I think Ozzie Weisblatt is a nice, nice opportunity for the Sens to uh, bolster the lineup with some scoring, but keep things a little lippy, a little a little chippiness to their game too.
1: Yeah, I like that. I have a, him as an 8 out of 10 fit for the Senators. I do still prefer Tyson Forrester, although he is lower on our average ranking. So Aussie Weisblack coming in at 26th on the Central Draft rankings. And now we go to a player who plays the same position but could not be more of an opposite player. Coming in at 25 with an average ranking of 26, Jacob Perot. And yes, his father is Yannick Perot. He played over 850 games in the NHL. Had over 500 points, but he was more of a playmaker. His son, Jacob, this guy can put the puck in the back of the net.
0: Oh yeah, this guy is a goal scorer. 30 goals each of his seasons. He finished last season with 39 goals and 70 points. But let's take a look at that weather report. Minus 34 in the plus minus. Obviously, that's a bad team. There's not much you can do, but... Damn, is that a glaring stat. The thing that jumped out to me most, Ross, when watching Jacob Pro highlights, why isn't this guy a winger? Like, he really doesn't seem to fit the center position very well. He doesn't have much uh, defensive habits. Like, he was just kind of floating around out there in the defensive zone from what I saw. But he's got an amazing shot. He's got a nice backhand. He's really creative offensively with the puck. I don't understand why this guy was playing down the middle. He should be on the wing for sure.
1: Yeah, he'll play the wing at the next level. There's almost no doubt in my mind. And where he did play the wing at the OHL level was on the power play, where he finished fifth in the CHL in power play goals. He had 15 of them, 16 power play assists. Among draft eligibles, only Jack Quinn, who we talked about earlier in this show, and Marco Rossi had more goals. And he has the bloodline to prove it, if you will, with Yannick Pro having such a successful NHL career. After that career, actually, he was the development coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. So despite being born in Montreal, Jacob Pro grew up playing in Chicago. However, still wears the Maple Leaf when he's playing internationally. So you got to love that. Sarnia Sting forward, Jacob Pro. He comes in at 25 on our Central Draft rankings. Before we move on, Pilsy, is he a guy you'd like to see wearing that 2D Sens logo?
0: I think there's a lot of talent here and I love his goal scoring ability, but I just think there's too many liabilities defensively. And again, I hate to use this line, but there's, there's guys, there's three or four guys that I would prefer over Perot. So I think I would rather go that route than this route. So I think whoever drafts him is going to be happy with him. But if I'm the Sens, I'm moving on
1: defensive liability that is the perfect transition to our next player number 24 so how good is he offensively if he's that bad defensively still 24th with an average ranking of 25.83 from the saint john sea dogs you might remember them the home of thomas shabbat's junior career jeremy poirier he is an enigma because offensively elite defensively horrible where do you draw the line on on Poirier? Well,
0: let's start with the positives here first, Ross. EP has him as the best offensive defenseman in the draft. Agreed. So, better than Jamie Drysdale offensively. That that's saying a damn lot. Then, they have him third best hands in the draft. Not third best hands for defenseman. Third best hands overall. Agree. So, already here we go. Good start. He's got his wrist shot, like the perfect seeing eye wrist shot. It reminds me a lot of uh, Klingberg, how there could be a whole bunch of traffic in front and he'll just slip it right through somehow. Not a hard shot, but an accurate shot. He likes to join the rush, which obviously an offensive defenseman will do. And I saw a couple highlights, Ross, where they were down by a goal, pulled the goalie, and he was their number one scoring option. Like the whole cycle revolved around getting him open to shoot the puck, which as a defenseman is crazy for you to be the guy to score in a dire moment. Now, unless you want to hop in uh, on some positivities that I missed out, we got to get to the negatives.
1: No, I just want to kind of solidify the fact that offensively, this guy is nuts. He had 20 goals in the Quebec league this past year and, you look at shots per game by a defenseman. It's an interesting stat because, you know, it, there's a lot of variables to it. But when you look at shots per game, he had more than four. Only he and Lucas Cormier had over three per game. And Cormier wow. was like 3.7. Poirier, 4.05 shots per game. By far the most of any draft-eligible defenseman. And he had 15 of his 20 goals at even strength. So I think that speaks to being able to create offense when it's not a man advantage situation. So with that kind of uh, tire pump, now we can talk about the complete liability that he is in his own end. Just wandering, has no idea where his checker is. Gap control is non-existent. He plays two-on-ones like you or I would. It's completely unacceptable at the pro level. How is he going to tighten this up? I don't know,
0: Ross. And this is the crazy thing. Like, like you said, hey, for being so good offensively and so bad defensively, it's crazy how high ranked this is, depending on what you value or what you're worried about. You know what he reminds me a lot of? Who? Ryan Merkley, the defenseman for the Guelph Storm. Except he Ryan was-
1: Merkley can skate backwards.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's his skating is better. But here's here was the situation for Merkley. He was a really talented offensive defenseman, and he was playing on a really tough, tough team. And he was trying to do it all himself, it seemed like. And that's what it seems like Poirier is doing here because the Sea Dogs are an awful team, and he's just trying to do it all himself. And then you just stop worrying about defending and you don't trust your teammates. He's not good at anything defensively, honestly. And it's funny because EP, when they're doing their profile on him, they put defensemen in quotations when they're writing about him, which is – that's a wow. hilarious jab there. But here's the thing. If I'm the Sens, I avoid this guy at all costs because oh. you're, you're not looking for – a pure offensive defenseman. you got Thomas Shabbat. Like, you don't need a back-end guy who's going to be distributing the puck but a complete liability offensive. This this guy, for me, Ross, for the Senators, is a do-not draft.
1: Absolutely. I, I don't think he should be anywhere on their list. And you know what? If we know anything about how the Sens draft, he won't be. Because... Like the Sens draft safe players that have some potential. Especially defensively. Like defensemen. Especially defensive. I think, yeah, do not draft. Don't even put him on your list. If the Sens take him, holy surprise. But I love transitioning because next on on our list is the complete opposite style defenseman. It could not be more polar opposite. Coming in at number 23 on our Sens Central Draft Rankings with an average of 25.67. Braden. Schneider maybe the second best defensive defenseman after Jake Sanderson in the draft
0: well according to EP he's the third best defensive defenseman I'm not sure who's Who's in between I'm not sure who's in between we'd have to do a little research I'm gonna say
1: it's guy who's right above him Caden Gouley
0: yeah I wouldn't be surprised about that so third best defensive defenseman third best hitter And like the the stat sheet on this guy is just beautiful. Six foot two, 209 pounds, right shot defenseman, playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings. I like this guy a lot, Ross. And uh, we'll we'll get into uh, his comparisons at the end of this once we're done describing him. But he can defend any situation. Like if you want to dump and chase on him, he's going to pivot well. And if he doesn't beat you to the puck, he'll meet you there. If you're trying to drive... On him and skate right by him, he'll keep you wide. He'll keep you wide so you don't have those opportunities to get to the slot. And if you're gonna be aggressive and just try to deke through him, his gap control is great. And with that long reach, he can poke check any puck from a deke easily if he wants to. I think for a defensive defenseman, though, he's still putting up points. 42 points in 60 games, that's not too bad.
1: Well, I will qualify that. Half of those 42 points came on the power play. And here's another couple questions for you. Are you worried at all that he is maybe dominating to the extent he is because he is only a few days away from being eligible for last year's draft? Two days away. So he is the oldest guy outside of Lafreniere in this upcoming draft. Does that worry you at all?
0: Not even a little bit, Ross, because you're not drafting this guy to be an offensive defenseman. Like, you're not banking on him to quarterback a power play. You're not banking on him to score 10 goals and get 40 assists. You're banking on him to be a reliable, stay-at-home defenseman that does all the little things defensively right. And I'll get into it now. He's the perfect player to partner with Thomas Shabbat. You need a guy that can let Shabbat let loose offensively, join the rush a little bit more, rack up those points. but if there's problems or there's a turn, turnover or you're a little too aggressive and you make a mistake, you've got Braden Schneider sitting back there waiting and protecting the defensive zone. I think this is the kind of guy that the Sens need in their lineup to complement guys like Shabbat or Branstrom. It's it, I think honestly, I like Braden Schneider enough that if this, he was still available in the mid to early twenties, I wouldn't mind if the Sens traded up to try to grab him. I think he's a perfect fit and you don't get it well it depends if they go if they go drysdale or sanderson with pick number five then obviously you don't do that but if you're trying to get your top defenseman in the draft i would love for the sense of target schneider
1: yeah it's an interesting call i'm i'm curious and because his draft rankings are, are they're spread out like bob mckenzie has him 17th but then wheeler has him 37th and then pronman doesn't even have him. or sorry i'm looking at wheelers right now at 37 so Since he has him that, this is one of the lines where he says, I fear that a lot of his success stems from his physical maturity, which will become less of an asset against pros. So not that he doesn't come without risk, but I think it's safe to say that he will be at least on a third pair NHL defensive where he could kill some penalties for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Braden Schneider makes a lot of sense and it's hilarious going from Poirier to Schneider because what a world of difference that makes. The the defensemen that are going to go in the mid to late first round is going to be fascinating how things kind of line up here.
1: Yeah, so we had two defensemen today. Now we're on to our third and final winger. Well, we're assuming that Perot will become a winger, but it's Noah Gundler coming in at number 22 on our Central Draft rankings. Average of 25.16. I see him as a great fit for the Ottawa Senators. Now, his rankings, they have some range to them. Wheeler all the way up at 10th. Craig Button at 45th. Now, a lot of the people who have him lower, they were concerned about his work ethic earlier in the season. Now, watching the Draft Dynasty video, he said that um, a lot of those problems were mm, maybe manufactured with the fact that he was 17 years old playing in a men's league for most of the season, but that when he watched games closer to the end of the year, that was a complete non-issue. This guy, he can score goals. He can get to high-danger areas, and this is why I like him as a player. What are your thoughts on Gunnar? I didn't have uh,
0: too much on Gunner, to be honest, Ross. I mean, he seems like he's got a smooth uh, skating stride. He's very calm with the puck, which is great. But the thing, every single report I read on him were just citing inconsistencies. Like he's a good skater some nights, a bad skater other nights. Good passer some nights, bad passer other nights. And he just wasn't able to keep a, a constant level of performing. And for me, that that's a bit of a red flag for me. But like you said, he's playing in a league with men, so it's a lot tougher to stay consistent. So I think Gundler's an interesting option, but I'd need to be talked into him.
1: Okay, well, let me try to talk you into Let's him. Hear he's, it. As I mentioned, he's one of the youngest players playing in the Swedish league. He's still very lean, but he has a frame. He's six foot two, but only 170-some pounds right now. So you see him playing a fourth-line role last year on a really good Swedish team. Ah, uh, where he plays in Lulia, which you might remember. I think that's where Marcus Hogberg uh, used to play, but had that little role and still produced still had thirteen points in forty five games, plus twelve as well. I see him as a guy who's gonna have a big year this year. now he doesn't have any points in his first two games, but he's gonna spend the whole year there in a bigger role. and then the year after, I think he's gonna be ready to step right into an NHL third line, and that's where what is his upside, right that that's kind of what the real question will become now when you look at what happened this past year lulia with him on the ice lulia outscored their opponents 21 to 9 so he's solid defensively as well solid offensively i think this guy's going to be a good all-around player and if he can get a bit more consistency then he could be a top six forward
0: yeah and that's that's great to me because that's a piece that the Senators are missing, a good all-round top six guy. They have a lot of offensively-minded prospects, but someone who can play a full 200-foot game is going to be clutch for this team coming forward.
1: Absolutely. So we'll leave it at that for today with our Central Draft rankings. We mentioned Caden and Gooley and a whole lot of centers coming up on tomorrow's episode. Before we go, goalie-friendly show. We'd be remiss if we didn't give pay our respects to my favorite Sens goalie of all time. It would have been Ray Emery's 38th birthday today. So we're wishing all of his family well, thinking positive thoughts, absolute stud, live life to his fullest. And if Keisha Shante, who is his significant other, she posted on Twitter, just uh, taking that positivity that Ray Emery brought to every day and, and not taking anything for granted. So rest in peace to Ray Emery, absolute star. Um, yeah respect to him and as a goalie friendly show we'll end off with that for Brandon Piller I'm Ross Levitan this has been the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day